0: lives, heal broken hearts, and save man's soul. Here's our prayer, Lord Jesus, today, speak to me, in Jesus' name, amen. I mentioned earlier that we're going to start a new series next Sunday, Sunday, uh, How to Prepare for the End of the World, got a little teaser video to show you related to that. It's going to be a great series. I hope that uh, <clears throat> you will make each and every one because I think you will benefit from it greatly. And uh, I'm looking forward to, to preaching it. But today, today, I want to speak to you about a clean four-letter word that may get you dirty. Anybody have any idea what it is? Dirt? Love. Anybody else? Sins. Sins. you got to put an S on there to get the sins. <laughs> well, here it is on the screen. <laughs> today is Labor Day weekend, and so thought we would talk a little bit today about work. And annually we observe Labor Day. Uh, here in the, our country. Um, how do you view work? Uh, since the beginning of human race, work has been thought of either as a necessity or a blessing or a curse. So how do you view work? Our culture has some confusion about work. On the one hand, we have workaholics, and on the other extreme, we have work avoiders. <clears throat> Did any of you know people on each side of the extreme? Yes. Do any of you fit? No, I'm just sure we shouldn't do that. I love to read bumper stickers, don't you? I mean, you're sitting at the red light, you might as well read something, right? Some bumper stickers are really fun. Here's a few. Work fascinates me. I can sit and watch it for hours. (laughs) You might agree with this one. The worst day of fishing is better than the best day of working. Another one goes, hard work may not kill me, but why take a chance? And then this is the one that most of us understand. I owe, I owe, so off to work I go. <laughs> We've all got that one down, don't we? The Bible has much to say on the subject of work, and the problem is to know what to include, what to omit in a message like this. Perhaps the fullest statement in the New Testament about the importance of work is found in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, Apostle Paul writing... He says, picking up at verse 10, if you have your Bibles, you might want to turn there. For even when we were with you, we commanded you this. If anyone will not work, neither shall he eat. For we hear that there are some who walk among you in a disorderly manner, not working at all, but are busybodies. Now those who are such, we command and exhort through our Lord Jesus Christ that they work in quietness and eat their own bread. But as for you, brethren, do not grow weary in doing good. And if anyone does not obey our word in this epistle, note that person and do not keep company with him that he may be ashamed. Yet, do not count him as an enemy, but admonish him as a brother. The people that Paul was addressing this letter to had recently been converted to Christ. And in their newfound interest in the spiritual things, They had tended to neglect the daily work routines. Perhaps you've met people like that who first come to Christ and it seems like that's all they want to deal with. They want every Bible study they can find, every song that they can listen to. And it does affect their work ethic as well. Paul heard about it. And then he addressed it. And he said that we've got to keep work in the proper perspective. And so I hope that I can share with you three important factors that Paul is articulating in these verses and uh, that the Bible teaches us about work. The first one is there's a responsibility to work. In verse 10, he says, For even when we were with you, we commanded you this, If anyone will not work, neither shall he eat. Let me say right up front that uh, we should never use this verse in relation to those who are ill the aged are those who are temporarily unemployed because we often don't know the whole story. Some have been looking for work for many months. We have that right here in our church and the, the jobs are few and far between. Anymore, you've got to know somebody in order to get that resume in the, in the front door, it seems like. You can fill out resume after resume after resume, but until somebody you know can walk that in for you and give a, give a word for you, it's hard to get that next level and next step. And we need, to, we need to be sensitive to those folks and hurt for them. Because if you're unemployed and you really want to work, it is a terrible place you find yourself. Amen? But this verse is referring to those who are able-bodied, are of working age, and who refuse to work. Know anybody like that? You don't have to raise your hand. <clears throat> because he says, If anyone will not work, neither shall he eat. Paul's referring to that person who wills not to work, who refuses to work, who becomes a taker in life instead of a giver in life. We need to be givers in life. Would you say amen? Amen. Takers we have and we will have forever. But we need to be givers in life. And if you are a taker, change and be a giver in life. And if somebody can't give you something because you think you deserve it, I don't know what to say to you. But we live in a culture... That believes that they owe they we owe them everything. They're entitled to whatever it is. If they want your car, they'll just come get it. If they want your house, they'll just come get it. If they want the stuff in your house, they'll just come steal it. Isn't that the kind of culture we live in? Seems like. And if and if they don't like if you argue with them, then they'll just shoot you and kill you right there on the spot. Uh, the boys down in in Duncan. What was the phrase? They said they got out and shot this guy just because they were bored and didn't have anything to do. Really? Wow! Wow! Whatever happened to building a fort in the backyard? I guess that's uh, don't do that anymore. Finding a job. Or hey, get out and find a job. That'd be awesome too. Yeah. yeah. But see, you can't work at McDonald's for $7.25 an hour. You got to have $15 an hour. I I do know of a McDonald's in uh, a small town in uh, uh, Wyoming. The town is normally 3,500 in population, but now it's 40,000 in population because the oil and gas is hit up there. And the McDonald's there can't find enough workers. They're paying them $20 an hour, and they can't find anybody to work. How about that? Wouldn't you like to work for $20 an hour? Well, move to Wyoming. (laughs) Of course, you could work in the oil field for $50 an hour, but, eh, you know. Paul's referring to this person here who doesn't work, who refuses to work. And if they don't work, they shouldn't eat. Isn't that true? If you don't work, you shouldn't eat. It's the way it should be. A person like this misses a few meals. Maybe he decides he must get, he might have to get up and go to work after all. But we're living in a culture where it's easier just to hand it to you. Hand it to you, hand it to you, hand it to you, hand it to you. Why does working and eating go together? God designed man to be a gardener But after the fall, he made him a farmer. And at the beginning of Adam's job was simply to care for what God had planted. When sin entered the world, he had to plant as well as harvest. From the beginning, work was connected to having food. If you have the opportunity to work, you should take advantage of it. Thomas Edison said this, Opportunity is missed by most people because it looks like work. True? So true. Work is God's anti-poverty program. Let's look at the responsibility of work as it bears upon different areas of our life. First of all, the work, let's look at our physical life, how work affects our physical life. If anyone doesn't work, he shouldn't eat. That statement hardly needs to be clarified. The meaning is clear. Physical life is sustained and lasting by working to earn a livelihood. Plato said, he that would eat the nut must crack the nut. The shell. This is what we know about lazy people. Robert Frost, the poet, wrote The world is full of willing workers, some willing to work, and the rest willing to let them. Then someone anonymous wrote, He always does an honest day's work. Of course, it usually takes him a week to do it. How about some tongue in cheek statements about work? A man went to a company seeking employment, and the owner said, I'm sorry, I can't hire you. There isn't enough work to keep you busy. The man quickly responded, Oh, don't let you don't let that bother you. You'd be surprised how little it takes to keep me busy. <laughs> and here's another one. And this is... I, I almost didn't put this one in just because it's so bad. He's so lazy they named a shoe after him. Can you tell what it is? The loafer. The loafer that's right. <laughs> I thought, no, they'll go... Ugh, they'll groan on that one. But you know, Paul's words ring true here. For even when we were with you, we commanded you this. If anyone will not work, neither shall he eat. And it relates to work and the physical life. How about work in the social life? We have to go to 1 Timothy 5, 8, where Paul says, but if anyone does not provide for his own, and especially for those of his household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. You see, God expects every able-bodied person who can find work to support his family. He does. He expects that to happen. We are to provide for them to make sure that they have a home, food, and clothing. And I'm afraid there are a lot of kids growing up who don't realize that they have to work, earn, save, and wait for some of the good things in life to become yours and for you to enjoy. Most kids today want what their parents and grandparents already have worked a lifetime to get. Who died and put you in charge? I used to think Johnny Manziel was, a, was quite an athlete until I saw his behavior yesterday on the field in the Texas A&M game. Uh, I, I wouldn't give you a dime for that young man. He was a Heisman Trophy winner as a freshman last year. And right now, he's just a punk. That's all he is. No more, no less. And you might say, well, what do he do? What did he do? Well, you read the papers, you'll find out what he did. But God expects us to get off the sofa and to get out and get a job and work. But we're so medicated in our world today that we forget what that's about. God has always provided for His children. When the children of Israel were in the wilderness, God provided them manna for just one day at a time. But every morning, they had to to do something. They had to get involved in it. They had to go collect the manna. He didn't just give it to them. He provided it, but they had to go gather it up. Reminds me of Psalm 104.28. What you give them, they gather in. So you've got to have some time. The only time that God actually gave them extra was on the Sabbath day. So they wouldn't have to actually go get it so they could get extra on the day before but you gotta go out and get it how sluggish are you if mom says dinner's ready and you say I can't make it to the table can you bring it to me (laughs) what do you mean bring it to you I just can't crawl in there well then starve that's what my mother would say we'll just starve and my brothers would there wouldn't be any food left if I didn't get up and rush into the kitchen. We never sat down at the table for a formal meal because with five boys, as soon as mom stepped away from the stove, it was like carnivores, you know. <laughs> it was gone, locusts, it was gone. But uh, she would get her plate and then we were done. It was gone. And if you were the last one in the pecking order, which I was, that's why I've made up for it in my adult life. I made up for it. I was I was scrawny when I was a kid. <clears throat> I found my favorite shirt. It said, hey, I'll beat anorexia. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> shame, shame, shame. <laughs> Young people, when you get married, remember that God expects you to go to work and provide for your family. How about work in the moral life? Ephesians 4.28, Paul says, he who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work doing something useful with his own hands that he may have something to share with those in need. Paul puts working over against stealing. Evidently, there were Christians who were stealing to exist instead of working. Sounds like our culture today. So we see from a collection of Paul's teachings about work that work relates to at least three spheres of our life, the physical, the social, and the moral. John Stott, great theologian, wrote this. Work is the expenditure of energy, manual or mental or both, which brings fulfillment to the worker, benefits to the community, and glory to God. Amen. That's a powerful statement. Did you hear the prayer that the little boy prayed in the morning? At night he would pray, now I lay me down to sleep. But in the morning he prayed this prayer. He was taught to pray this prayer. Now I get up to work. Now I get me up to work. I pray the Lord, I may not shirk. If I should die before tonight, I pray the Lord, my work's all right. That's a great prayer for a kid to learn. Well, how about our spiritual life? How does work affect our spiritual life? In Colossians chapter 3, Paul writes, And whatever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not to men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of the inheritance, for you serve the Lord Christ. Work is a physical effort with a spiritual dimension. Even though work is physical activity, it has a lot to say about our relationship to God. And let's make sure uh, that we look at work as an avenue of serving the Lord. The NIV translates Colossians 3.23 this way, Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for men. We must never forget that the home of Jesus was the cottage of a working man. He spent the greater part of his life doing the work of a carpenter. He was doing his Father's will as he did that. Work is not unspiritual. Jesus did manual labor. The responsibility to work is important, but next... We need to look at the reliability of that worker. 2 Thessalonians 3, pick it up, verse 11, says, For we hear that there are some who walk among you in a disorderly manner, not uh, working at all, but are busybodies. Now those who are such we command and exhort through our Lord Jesus Christ that they work in quietness and eat their own bread. I want to give you quick three thoughts about the the reliability of the worker. uh, The reliable worker is a contented worker. Notice in verse 12, he says, he works. that worker works in quietness. It speaks of being content. But if you go back to verse 11, it says, for we hear that there are some among you who are working in a disorderly manner. they are busybodies. Always gossiping. Always got something to say bad about the company or whatever. Disorderly busybodies. They're not contented people. We're talking about attitude here, aren't we? attitude has everything to do with accomplishment it was great to watch the preview the other night and to watch jinx do so well and the reason they did so well is because they start in june at six o'clock in the morning doing crazy running and lifting and puking and all that stuff <coughs> so that coach bryant can pull what little harry has left out of his head that's why he cuts it so short so he doesn't pull it completely out <coughs> and I make sure that he has all the sharp objects out of his pockets before every game. But attitude makes all the difference in the world. you found that in your life, haven't you? If you have a good attitude, good things happen. If you have a sour attitude, sour things are going to happen. If you get up and say, Good morning, Lord! Or do you get up and say, Good Lord morning? Yeah. <laughs> makes a difference how you're going to go through your day, doesn't it? That's it. Quietly working away communicates an attitude of contentment, while a busybody communicates a picture of discontent. There's a story told about three men who were digging a trench for the foundation of a church, and when they were asked what they were doing, the first young man said he's working because his parents said he had to help pay the bills at home. The second young man said he was working to earn money so to keep the old lady happy at home. Third man had the right attitude. He with this backbreaking work that they were doing. He said, I'm building a cathedral to the glory of God. Attitude, attitude, attitude. Our attitude can make a work a drudgery or a delight. And today you can start changing your attitudes about work because it's about your inner life. It's about your heart. Be grateful you have a job. You may not be happy with it, that's fine. But be grateful you have one. Keep looking for another one, that's fine. But make sure you're doing the best job you can because it's a witness for Christ how you work. So when the heart changes, the attitude changes. Then there's a the reliable worker is a conscientious worker. Conscientious worker. In 2 Thessalonians 3 beginning at verse 7, it says, for yourselves know that you ought to follow us, for we were not disorderly among you, nor did we eat anyone's bread free of charge, but worked with labor and toil night and day, that we might not be a burden to any of you, not because we do not have authority, but to make ourselves an example of how you should follow us. Paul was a model of conscientiousness. He was not disorderly. He was not a freeloader. Free he, he not only labored, but he says he toiled. He was a hard worker. He did He did the tough stuff. He even worked the night shift. It says he worked with labor and toil night and day. He wasn't afraid to work. He wasn't afraid to do something. He wasn't afraid to get involved. He wasn't afraid. Even if he had to do it and nobody else would do it, he would come and do it anyway. That's the type of servant that God's looking for. Somebody who's available. He doesn't care about our ability. He cares about our availability. Are you available? Can you do something? Will you do something? There's the bigger question. He wrote to the Colossian Christians in chapter 3, verse 23, whatever you do it heartily as working to the Lord and not to men. See, see, that's the way Paul was. He set the example. He set the pace. Christians ought to be the best workers on the job. They ought to have the best attitude, the best dependability, the best in integrity. All who are employed have a responsibility to be faithful, hard workers or we're sinning. Or we're sinning. How about that one? It's true. Because if you want to get a blessing out of what you do, remember what that work is what God wants you to do. It isn't all that He wants you to do, but whatever you do, He wants you to do it well. Work with integrity. Martin Luther understood that when he said, the maid who sweeps her kitchen is doing the will of God just as much as the monk who prays. Not because she may sing a Christian hymn as she sweeps, but because God loves Clean floors. The Christian shoemaker does his Christian duty not by putting little crosses on the shoes, but by making good shoes because God is interested in good craftsmanship. Do it well. Do it very well. If you're a cleaner, clean so good that it's squeaky. Amen? Yeah. Yeah. Whatever your hand finds in Ecclesiastes 9, whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. For in the grave where you are going, there's neither working nor planning nor knowledge nor wisdom. (laughs) So do it while you can, because when you're in a grave, you don't get to do any of it. So we've looked at the responsibility to work, the reliability of the worker, and then lastly, the respectability of work. 2 Thessalonians 3 and verse 13, Do not be weary in doing good. Paul calls work doing good. With those words, he lifts work out of that secular arena, puts it into a spiritual arena. For the Christian, all work is doing right and doing good, and the the respectability of work is demonstrated by two divine examples. Number one, work is made respectable by the divine plan. Before Adam and Eve sinned in the Garden of Eden, work was God's plan for us. Genesis 2.15 says, The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to do what? Work it and take care of it. That's why we, he was put in the garden. Those that I know that have retired all say, I am so bored, I need something to do. Haven't you, have you heard that? No. They're sitting around going, man, how did I have time to do the other job? Because they get, see, and that's the key. They get busy doing things. Now, hopefully they're getting to do some of the things they've always wanted to do. Right? Maybe. I don't know. Because we have to earn a living. But once you retire, it's not to sit down and die. And you can if you just sit down. You may need to get up and get involved. Volunteer. Spend some time mentoring. Every school needs people who will come in and read to little kids. Every school will not you go read to some little kids? Well, I hate little kids. Okay, go read to some big kids. <laughs> I hate big kids. Well, go read to some old people. Well, I don't like the way they smell. Well, have you looked at yourself lately? Attitude, remember? Attitude. Well, then sit down and read to yourself and you can stink up the whole place. Here we go. You See, in Adam and Eve's perfect, sinless place, God's plan for them was to work. Now, sin made work harder. It made it harder. But it's a serious mistake to think that, the, that there was no no work going on and that the work really didn't come until they became a sinner. Work was increased and became harder as a result of sin. Genesis 3:17 through 19 Cursed is the ground for your sake and toil. You shall eat of it all the days of your life. Both thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you. And you shall eat the herb of the fields. In the sweat of your face you shall eat bread. Adam and Eve had the responsibility of taking care of the Garden of Eden before they sinned. Later Moses in Exodus 20 says, six days you shall labor and do all your work. And think about it. We're going to be employed in heaven. In Revelation 22, it says in verses 2 and 3, In the middle of its street and on either side of the river was the tree of life, which bore twelve fruits, each tree yielding its fruit every month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations, and there shall be no more curse. But the throne of God and the Lamb shall be in it, and His servants shall serve Him. Did you catch that? His servants shall serve Him. The first paradise... The Garden of Eden presented Adam and Eve with an occupation. The last paradise. The Garden in Heaven provides occupational opportunities as well. So we see that the respectability of work is derived from God's divine design for us from now through eternity, forevermore. And secondly, the work is made respectable by the divine person. In the beginning, God created. It started. Work was demonstrated by Almighty God. Exodus 20 and 16, For six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea, and all that's in them. He made them. He created them. He worked them. God is the greatest worker in the universe. In Luke chapter 2, in Jesus' youth, He said, I must be about my Father's business. In in John 5, later in His life, He said, My Father has been working until now and I have been working. In the middle of his ministry in John 9, Jesus said, I must work the works of him that sent me. And then in the end of his ministry, in his great prayer in John 17, in verse 4, he says, I have finished the work you gave me to do. The point is that God the Father and God the Son made work respectable. The associations with work make the person who shuns work or is haphazard about work look like the worst of sluggards. Homer, the famous Greek writer, said this, The gods hated humans so much that they invented work as a way to punish people. It's not true. Work is a worthy pursuit planned by God who Himself is a worker and what a blessed privilege that can be laborers together with God out of 1 Corinthians 3.9. Work is not punishment. Work is God's plan and is therefore respectable. Respectable. We should thank God for earthly parents who had strong work ethics and showed us how to do it. Parents that expected us to work. Expected us to earn our way. Jeff and Corey bought their first car. Jeff was old enough to drive and Corey wasn't. So he somehow sold Corey a bill of goods that he was going to get to have that car in some way. And so Corey helped pay for half of it. But never got to to drive it unless I was with him and uh jeff thought it was his car well the problem is that it was only half his car so i thought about taking a chainsaw and just cutting it in half and said here you go but that didn't mom didn't like that idea but if we had parents that teach us yeah chainsaw wouldn't cut the car right but if we have parents that teach us and taught us we should be grateful but our greatest role model of work is jesus himself in John 9, 4, when He said, I must work the works of Him who sent Me while it is day, the night is coming when no one can work. So get it done now. Get it done now. Don't put it off. Don't wait any longer. There remains but one thought that I wish to give you as we close this morning in John 6:29, This is the work of God that you believe in Him. That you believe in Him who He has sent. And then let me quickly add, I do not work my soul to save, for that my Lord has done. But I will work like any slave for love to God's dear Son. Father, we ask you this morning to touch our hearts. I believe everybody in this room is a hard worker. I believe everybody in this room understands the message that was shared today. Perhaps we need an attitude adjustment. Perhaps we need to open our eyes and our hearts to see what you need to do in us. God, the only work that we can actually do is that we must believe that your son Jesus came, died on the cross, rose the third day, crushed the head of Satan with the resurrection. And rest in Him until the day of His coming. But God, we should never be satisfied with where we are. We should always be growing. Always be striving. Always with a positive attitude. No matter what's being faced around us. Satan tries to distract. Tries to destroy. Lies and deceives. But You, O Lord, are our sustainer. You, O Lord, are the lifter of our heads. You, O Lord, are our salvation, our fortress, and our God. And we can rest in You. We can trust in You. And Father, we can lean on You. Thank You for loving us. Maybe there's somebody here today, Lord, that would say, I need to do a better job at work. Been taking things for granted. I need to shift my attitude. And Tuesday, when I go back to work, I'm going to be a new person. I know there's folks here that are striving to want work because they they're, they've been out for so long, and they they would love to have a job. Oh God, would you get that resume in the right hands, and would that happen? But Father, maybe there's somebody here that just needs needs to do that first work, and that is to accept you as their Savior. To believe in You. To step forward and say, I believe. I believe. I don't know what needs are present, Lord. I don't know what's going on in their lives, but You do. Would You give them courage? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.